Welcome to this Skyride local podcast made in conjunction with the London Festival of Architecture. Skyride is part of Sky and British Cycling's ambition to encourage one million more people to cycle regularly by 2013. Skyride local events take place across the country and cater for cyclists of all ages and abilities. They are free to join in and led by British Cycling trained ride leaders who will guide you along the route and provide tips and advice on cycle safety and skills. If you enjoy this podcast, which takes you on a virtual bike ride around some of London's most inspiring architectural features and landscapes, there are five more podcasts in the series and a lot more Skyrides coming up throughout the summer. Visit www.goskyride.com for more details. Spaces, Places and Squares with Roger Madeline of Argent. This ride sets out to see some of the new public spaces being formed on the railway lands at King's Cross. From there, it heads southeast into Islington to look at small and large parks, gardens and play spaces in wealthy and not-so-wealthy areas. The tour then goes into the city and over the river to Potter's Fields. I'm Roger Madeline. I'm the Joint Chief Executive of Argent and Argent is a 50% uh, shareholder in something called King's Cross Central partnership uh, and that owns everything that is in white on this model. I won't give you a full um, uh, explanation of the development. Suffice to say that uh, within what is white on that model is a million square feet of existing heritage buildings dating back uh, to the uh, mid-1800s. Almost all railway uh, distribution buildings uh, and administration buildings to do with uh, Uh, the goods that were brought in by the railway. And we're going to uh, go into these railway lands uh, with special permission uh, from me uh, and my colleague who's staying late tonight. Uh, It's going to be a bit unusual, uh, this bit of the cycle ride, because you're going to have to push your bike through an old nightclub and you might have to push your bike along a a, a causeway that uh, is in the canal at the moment. The Regent's Canal runs right the way through the site. There's 67 acres, if you want to know more about the development... Uh, www.kingscrosscentral.com or something, you'll find it, or look on the Argent website. Um, A lot is happening here, despite the financial crisis. Um, All of the transport infrastructure will be finished by the end of 2011 because uh, John Prescott uh, announced to the French that we were going to have a high-speed railway uh, in the early part of the last decade. No one knew how to finance it, but so what? Here it is, we've got the railway. Uh, It was actually funded with government debt and government bonds, but ho-hum. And St Pancras International is the result. Um, King's Cross Station uh, is being fully refurbished and extended at the cost of £450 Uh, That wasn't going to happen, but we told the IOC it was when they came to assess whether London should win the Olympics. We won it, so it's happening. Fantastic. Uh, So by the end of 2011, £2.25 billion of investment would have taken place in St Pancras, King's Cross and uh, doubling the size of the underground. All of that is happening, it is going to happen, it isn't going to be cut. They tried to cut it in 2004, they've been trying to cut it for 30 years, but it is happening. So all of that's in the south. Um, and we're going to um, go into the railway lands through some old buildings um, and um, you'll see what else we're doing on the site.
in July, a few weeks time, uh, there'll be diggers starting in uh, this area just behind the fence. Uh, and it will be the first part of the works by September 2011, so just a bit uh, over a year away. Uh, we will have created uh, a street as wide as Regent Street, going from the south there, uh, right the way up to the building you can see, the brick building, the granary building, uh, to the north there. Uh, we won't be creating the full width, because either side of the street uh, there will be a number of buildings, some of them uh, rising up to 10 storeys, so quite City of London scale. Uh, but there will now be uh, over 50 trees on the, on the boulevard, as it's called at the moment. And uh, just behind me, uh, where this gas holder is, and this gas holder will be dismantled and will be moving, I'll tell you where to later, uh, will be a square a little bit like Paternoster Square in terms of size and in terms of size of buildings uh, around it. Uh, and although primarily it will be a busy, relatively corporate square uh, with restaurants and uh, cafes around it and office entrances, uh, we're trying to make all of the public space here somewhere that families with kids uh, enjoy coming. So yes, we will have art and we will have fountains and we will have uh, all the things that uh, other new developments have had, but there won't be any keep off the grass or don't squirt water at passers-by, uh, and we will try and make all of the art and the benches something that kids can actually spend some time on climbing or just enjoying being at. We are um, just north of the canal, Regent's Canal, uh, and this building is called the Fish and Coal Building because it used to administer the supplies of uh, fish and coal. Uh, fish from Aberdeen and Grimsby that used to come into the train sheds up there, uh, and coal that used to come into these coal drop buildings that we're going to cycle uh, through in a minute uh, from Yorkshire. Coal from Nottinghamshire used to come down the Midland Main Line and drop coal on the British Library site. This building here, the Granary Building, uh, by its name you can guess uh, used to store grain, uh, but it used to come by railway from Lincolnshire and used to supply uh, London with quite a lot of its uh, grain for flour. Um, and the University of the Arts Central St Martins uh, is taking not only the upper levels of that Granary Building and the wing building to the right uh, is taking about 200 metres of space behind that building, which is going to comprise 450,000 square feet of Art and Design University, which makes it the largest Art and Design University under construction anywhere in the world at the moment, outside of China. You always have to say that, no one knows what's happening in China, but there's probably at least five bigger ones than that happening. Now in front of uh, the granary, is going to be Granary Square. We're not very good at uh, names yet. Could be called uh, O2 Square or Barclay Square or Lloyd Square. We're open to offers. Uh, or could be called uh, London Festival of Architecture Square if you're that successful this year. 
Uh, it's by some measures the same size or slightly larger than Trafalgar Square. Uh, I think you can get some sense of uh, scale and that bridge that's uh, across the canal uh, hopefully will provide what uh, certainly feels like a continuous kind of pedestrian uh, thoroughfare uh, from between the stations and you will get from between the stations into this space in three and a half minutes if you walk at British Standard walking pace uh, and that's important because uh, around four to five minutes is kind of starting to get to the edge of will people come and shop uh, and just drift uh, and spend time and obviously uh, obviously money. Now we're going to have lots of things going on in this space uh, to make it we hope one of London's great meeting spaces uh, including at uh, 12.30 every morning or afternoon. Uh, dancing fountains, you think that's a bit naff, everyone's done that before but they haven't done 1100 individually controlled water jets which will dance to the particular mp3 player tune that's plugged into them uh, so it will become a world tourist attraction one lucky winner every day will be able to choose the song uh, it won't be blasted out by a kind of eastern european uh, uh, loudspeaker systems you'll have to phone a premium number phone call to listen uh, and it's time for 12:30, so you can get from changing of the guard up to king's cross which of course is now on your tourist map uh, and at 12.40 when they stop and they become something else, uh, you'll be hungry and you'll go to one of our 50 restaurants, uh, some of which will be in these cold rock buildings. Uh, so we're now going to cycle a um, bit, bit uh, cobbly around the corner. Uh, watch out for uh, glass and sculptures by our resident artist who uh, is using any building materials lying around to make random sculptures. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, some of the uh, construction workers uh, have made their own uh, and you can't now tell the difference between the real thing and one of the builders ones. We always thought when we uh, started, or hoped to start at the beginning of 2008, uh, with everything looking very positive, it would all be finished uh, within 12 to 13 years. That was the fastest you could physically do it. Uh, then obviously the financial crisis came along and we started off a bit slower. Uh, but the university brought their own money, which was handy. Uh, and we had some cash, which was uh, also handy. And we've spent uh, or just about to finish spending £108 million on infrastructure to support the university. The university have brought uh, between 100 and 150 if you account the fit out uh, to deliver that university. We're delivering it for them and they're paying as we go along. Uh, we have now got uh, another £50 million of cash uh, to build the boulevard as I said and other infrastructure and there are extraordinarily six uh, other major deals about to be concluded or in sister's hands. And bizarrely, uh, during the course of next year, we may be gearing up with more construction uh, to start on site by the end of next year, uh, which when all of that's finished, we'll be about halfway through the original timescale, we'll be over halfway through what we thought we would be, even in the most optimistic. So it hasn't happened quite how we thought it would, with money where we thought it would come from, but uh, it is happening um, and hopefully uh, certainly by the end of next, uh, next year, you know, this space will be finished, we'll have shops and restaurants open, 
six and a half thousand drug-taking, spotty 18-year-old layabout student uh, occupying the uh, university. Uh, and it will become one of London's uh, great tourist places, uh, even though not many other buildings will be finished. You know, I think it's been quite interesting to, uh, to work out how many people will come to a great new London space that hasn't quite got any buildings uh, around it. But we're going to see some other great London space in a minute, including one just up here. York Way used to be the boundary between Camden and Islington, but York Way was moved slightly to the west, so it then went under the new Channel Tunnel rail link. Uh, there's the tunnel, high-speed tunnel there exit. Uh, so part of these lands, which are also ours, uh, are now in Camden and in Islington. So we had the pleasure of a joint planning application, or two planning applications here. Uh, now Camden gave us permission uh, the Mayor gave us permission, uh, John Prescott gave us thumbs up, but of course Islington didn't give us permission. Uh, so we had the bizarre process of, uh, of Camden, the GLA and us fighting Islington uh, at a planning appeal. Uh, seeing as the scheme was entirely in uh, accordance with Islington's planning policy, uh, after the waste of about a million pounds of public money, uh, we got planning permission. Uh, but... Uh, this is our first building we've built. It's a construction training centre. It's a temporary building, but because we wanted it to work uh, well, it's three times bigger than it uh, had to be legally it's because we actually wanted to accommodate uh, enough activities to train people. It's designed by David Morley. Uh, it's won the best temporary building prize in the RIBA. Uh, we will be dismantling it and giving it away to someone uh, in about seven years' time. Uh, but it is only on the Camden bit, because we just couldn't be asked to deal with Islington anymore. We, they've worn us down, but uh, uh, they won't wear us down when we want to uh, move forward. Now, we're moving into Islington, uh, and there are some great people uh, in Islington on the council. There always have been, uh, but you know, there has been some interesting local politics, uh, as you can imagine, particularly with the local area committees that I think have now gone. Um, but... This uh, portion of land between York Way and Caledonian Road, we're going to cycle down Caledonian Road in a minute, uh, in the best of uh, intentions was redeveloped for public housing. Nothing wrong with that, but of course over the years with the points-based housing allocation policy, uh, there has been a steady decline uh, in the kind of prosperity and the activity economically of the residents. Um, and also from a design point of view, uh, almost all of the developments uh, between here and uh, Euston Road uh, obliterated the old street pattern. So not only you know, have you kind of created a kind of a downward spiral of, uh, of economic activity, and there is 85% uh, male unemployment in the Bemerton estate at the last count, uh, you have stopped the permeability of people generally uh, and once we go through and have a look at this very nice space, actually, Bemerton Park, uh, with Crumbles Castle, which has always been a very good local kind of children's uh, destination. Bemerton Park's very successful as well, good kickabout area. We're then going to go through uh, some of the estates and go on to Caledonian Road. And Caledonian Road used to be, uh, certainly in the 60s and early 70s, you know, a very, very vibrant, successful high street. 
uh, and you can just look at it and work out uh, that it is not that at all at the moment. Now, if someone spent lots of money on it and you know, made the pavements as good as Chiswick and put uh, trees down it, uh, yeah, would it become a vibrant high street? No, because socially, economically, you know, you've got uh, you know, this uh, separation uh, physically from you know, people being able to come through uh, the area and spend money. Now, there's some very high-value areas of Islington, but they are kind of just too far away to permeate into Caledonian Road. So my hypothesis, not alone in this, is you have to you know, uh, raise the social economic profile of this area a little bit and increase the permeability you know, between our site and, uh, and Islington. And maybe some of our uh, affordable housing and some perhaps some more innovative uh, allocation policies you know, might be able to you know, increase the wealth in here, stop people moving out as soon as they become affluent, uh, maybe with some housing you know, for them on the King's Cross area, maybe a little bit of help you know, on the training, not just construction training, but some of the 35,000 jobs here. We reckon about 10,000 jobs are going to be new to London, and you know, why shouldn't some of the people in these areas you know, actually get a chance to get them? So it's uh, not a very large aspiration, but uh, obviously we hope the new Islington arrangement is a little bit more... Uh, open and um, willing to work. But anyway, I won't rant about that too much because we're here. So we're going to look uh, Bingfield Park and then uh, into Caledonian Road and some other spaces. I think you've been through uh, an area that has seeds of you know, great success. Um, it just kind of needs pulling together. A lot of money has been spent uh, around here. You know, that Bemerton estate we didn't cycle through because you can't, but it was kind of on our left when we came through. And, uh, but all of this, this area has been re redeveloped by Peabody Estates. Uh, there's been a lot of money into you know, community meeting facilities. There's kind of under fives play in there which is uh, protected and uh, obviously surveyed by the residents you can only get in uh, if you live there uh, and I know it's sunny and it's a lovely warm evening but most of the time I come down here you know, this, is, this is a pretty well used community space you know, it's obviously got place for the more active kids to kick a ball around the younger kids as well um, you know, and they're doing work to the school and every time I've been past that school uh, in the last few months you know, there's been uh, sport you know, happening. You know, and if you've got you know, uh, a little bit of organisation, certainly on our new development, you know, there will be people you know, who will want to help you know, with the local kids, with the local after-school clubs. You know, and we're Argent are moving uh, its offices up to King's Cross, end of 2011, early 2012. Uh, and I seriously am thinking of finishing Wednesdays at four in the afternoon uh, for sport. Now, it doesn't mean you know people who aren't sporty have to go out you know, and put a sweatshirt on, but it means that uh, you know, they're encouraged to you know, either participate in sport with local businesses or local kids, or help you know, do some kind of community work, whether that's homework clubs or whether that's uh, you know, some other kind of volunteering service. Uh, and maybe you know when a kid walks past you know, a big office building and says, I haven't got a clue what's going in there. They say, oh, I, I know exactly what's going there because you know, we played them at five a side. And the bloke in the third floor who's an accountant 
Yeah, well, I'm good at maths and I want to be an accountant. He runs the five-a-side club on a Wednesday night. Yeah, why not? Right, now, um, this, is a bit, this is a bit tricky. There is a nightclub. There is a nightclub on the corner there uh, that generates electricity. Now, not that much from the dance floor. Now, yeah, King's Cross is starting to become, haha, we hope, a very innovative place for food. There's now three restaurants that uh, try and get uh, all of their goods from a supply chain within the tube network. Doesn't come on the tube, but you know, within the tube net <laughs> network. <laughs> Why have you got that pig with you, kind of thing? Uh, they do get their wine from uh, further afield. I'm pleased to say. Um, and there's there's a couple of little little businesses starting that are just doing you know, a few unusual things, like uh, generating electricity from dance floor. Uh, now, obviously, our area is going to have new accommodation and some in the old accommodation, but just coming down the Caledonian Road tonight, you know, actually it looked a bit smarter than last week when I came down. Uh, now, I don't think it's going to you know, change dramatically uh, and, until some of the social economic stuff has taken place, but all around this area you can see people starting to invest, uh, which is uh, obviously entirely in our interest as well. So. Um, Watch this space, right? We're going to go. I think we're going to just take a. We're going to go on Pentonville Road, and then we're going to cut down Penton Rise, and then we've got a nice hill climb up somewhere called Percy Circus, and we're trying to end up at a lovely little <laughs> private space called I've forgotten. Is it called York Lloyd Square? <coughs> Lloyd Square. That's really posh, and we're probably really upset the people in there. Lloyd Baker Square. Probably, yeah. But we we'll, we'll go there. It's very successful, and they've all got a key. And if we're really nice, they might let us in for a sausage. Everyone here? It's a nice yep. little playground, that one. Better not shout too loudly. Yep. Nothing going on tonight, but all the residents get a key. Uh, and you know, if you haven't got a big garden, what a nice facility. So uh, we might do some of that on some of the... Some of the big blocks, you know, with towering, you know, ten storeys of apartments. We have a little garden, uh, and I'll have the key, and I'll go home with it, and I'll you know, forget to give it to them, and all that kind of stuff. Um, we're now going to um, Spa Fields, which should be really buzzing, uh, and there are um, some big things we can play on. You have been past uh, several, I think three, if not four, uh, outdoor play areas. Some very green, some had hard play in them, sports play, young kids play. Quite successful. Obviously someone thought long and hard about this. There's some allotments uh, over there. Uh, and they've spent you know, a reasonable amount of thinking and money on this, but it doesn't work. Every time I've been past here, there's no one here. Now, yeah, it's quite nice to press the button, but, you know... Anyone with kids would have known this wasn't going to work. Anyone with, uh, I don't want to be sexist, but young boys, you know, they aren't going to kick a football around there. Uh, and anyone with boys or girls, they might do that once, but they're not going to do it twice, really, are they? Um, so, you know, just the idea of, I think some of you may have spotted as we were cycling down there, uh, actually some of the play areas, you know, even more traditional play areas, you know, were full. Uh, and there were some people kicking balls around as well. Uh, yet this one's just tried a little bit too hard, really. So it's not money, it's not thinking, it's just proper thinking, really. 
I don't have to tell you this is a successful place, uh, but if you just looked at it, you'd kind of work out it probably would be successful. So it's not really rocket science, is it? Uh, I know, again, I know it's a lovely evening, but again, every time I've been here, it's always been just a great place to be, and you can see why, really, can't you? Um, so anyway, we're now going to... Um, you can go and sit in one of those chairs if you want to be very posh. Uh, we're now going to um, go along Lever Street, uh, and there's a variety of spaces along there, uh, some of which um, are more successful than others. I always find it strange that uh, we don't have many uh, underground car parks in the UK generally and every time I go to, uh, to France or, or most of continental Europe, almost every little space you know, has a car park underneath um, and I'm not quite sure how economically they, they work it out. Obviously there's some places uh, that historically have just been completely anti-cars uh, and have never wanted uh, car spaces, uh, but here's one of the, one of the few big underground car parks. Um, I wonder if as cars become uh, less of the environmental menace, um, you know, maybe the reaction to them becomes a little bit more benign. Um, we went over to Paris um, a couple of weeks ago to talk to Europe's biggest market operator. and He knows King's Cross very well. Um, and he just couldn't understand why at King's Cross we're just not having parking. He said, well, why aren't you having parking? You're like, where are all the market traders going to park? And we said, ha, 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 we didn't think of that. Uh, well, we did, but Camden said no. Uh, and he said, well, where are all the shoppers going to park, you know, who don't want to use the underground? Who, you know, like, where are all the people in the evening going to come who don't want to use the underground? And we say, Camden say no. And he said, yeah, but you're only going to get a certain kind of people who come, you know, who are happy to use public transport at 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. You know, you have to be kind of young and robust and tough. He said you're going to exclude, you know, like people who just can't be asked or feel unsafe to get on public transport. And I went, yeah, that's a good point, really. Maybe we should go back to Camden again, you know, now the world's moved on a bit. But um, maybe that's a discussion for some other time. Uh, I was a supporter of the congestion charge for London First. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think, you know, pollution and the idea that someone can drive around one and a half tonnes with five empty seats, you know, and drive all the way to work, you know, along a public transport route and then talk about efficiency is just bizarre. You know, how else, you know, could you get away with, you know, pumping out poisonous fumes into a kid's mouth in a pushchair and go, well, that's my right? You know, I do find it strange, but uh, I do own cars and, you know, we've got used to driving them and that's, um, that's kind of fine in the right place. So uh, that's my car rant. But maybe you'll become a class enemy if you've got a car in the future. I don't know, even if it's zero emission. But here's Finsbury Circus with its underground car park uh, and with its very exclusive bowls. Doesn't seem to be that well used, does it? I wonder what the French would do with a space like this. I ask. Bulls, yeah, not bowls, but blues, yeah, but it would be kind of very public. It would be different, and I think it would be better. I, I actually think this place is crap. Yeah, let's be frank about it.
some of those streets we've just been through are kind of even more problematic than um, Caledonian Road. Uh, and you've, you've already got the wealth here. Maybe not quite the diversity of jobs, although lots of retail you know, is coming in and restaurants are coming in. You know, and they are what's classified as uh, you know, low-skilled jobs. So um, you know, obviously there hasn't been an initiative here to try and get uh, some of the new new job, brand new jobs. You know, the increase of retail in in the city of London, you know, is a huge phenomenon. You know, it's happened in the last uh, 10, 15 years, and you know, it, it doesn't seem to be stopping. You know, maybe you don't want to go to the standard uh, restaurants and uh, the standard shops. You know, so maybe, maybe, just the sheer number of people you know, moving out here to the east uh, will start to make you know some of those streets a little more, a little bit more lively. I think you know big developments and you know bringing in this this kind of wealth. And there's the Heron Tower. Um, you know, is much uh, kind of frowned upon, but you know, given time, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, in the neighbouring areas, you know, they do better eventually. You know, and if you can think laterally, you know, you don't want the same stuff. You're quite happy to go down Petticoat Lane. Um, and I, you know, I always remember Ken Livingstone saying, you know, at some some meeting where someone was moaning about Canary Wharf. Um, you know, and they said, you know, what's Canary Wharf ever done for London? You know, and Ken Livingstone said. Well, 85,000 jobs ain't a bloody bad start, is it? You know, and that, that kind of view that, you know, you know, every human being, you know, uh, working is you know, kind of a good thing, generally. You know, and those 85,000 people are human beings. The fact that they weren't representative of the human being that said, you know, what's Canary Wharf ever done to London? But there does seem to be something wrong um, you know, in the fact that a lot of the jobs that could be accessible... To, uh, to maybe some of the communities that historically haven't worked, um, you know, just don't feel they, they know what's going on and some of the initiatives I described in that park uh, maybe catch on. Um, you know, I've, I've found it quite strange, you know, going into, trying to go into Canary Wharf on my bike and actually not being allowed in Canary Wharf on my bike. It was a Saturday and I was going there, you know, this is when I was... Um, involved in King's Cross at the beginning. I wanted to see Canary Wharf. I went there on my bike and the bloke just wouldn't let me in. I said, you know, I'm one of you know, the UK's most important property developers and I'm here to see George Ubernescu. And he said, piss off. <laughs> Which he would, wouldn't he, really? Yeah. I did try other things before I got to that, uh, that uh, unbelievable statement. Um, you know, and I just, I just have always found that a very strange place. I've been, um, you know, uncomfortable in, in Broadgate as well, but I think Lots of developments are realising that you know, kind of normal human beings um, you know, are actually quite good to have on the streets because the vast majority of them are well behaved. Um, you know, they do provide passive security and they are potential bloody customers. You know, like, um, so we're, we're going to try and make King's Cross. There are going to be some very expensive apartments there. Um, but I think the kinds of people that will want to live in those very expensive apartments at King's Cross will will be people that are very happy to look like all of us tonight and get on a bike occasionally and walk around in a pair of old sandals or, um, or training shoes. Um, and they don't feel they have to hide you know, in dark windows in a chauffeur-driven Mercedes and be driven into the basement. Um, and I think people who do drive around in dark window Mercedes, you know, they can't really enjoy it all the time, can they? I remember some Russians who came up to King's Cross, they said, you know, how is it that you, know, you guys you know, just kind of walk out and cycle around London? You know, 
you know, isn't anyone trying to kill you? And you go like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, they probably are, but yeah, like, and they say, but you know, like in Russia, you know, important developers, you know, like, you know, they might get shot. We go like, blimey. Oh. Uh, there's big redevelopment plans for this uh, this whole area, but unfortunately, um, although there are some quite uh, big land ownerships uh, the price they've paid for land uh, is very very high um, and um, it's quite difficult uh, unless they want to write off huge values of the site to, uh, to perhaps look at uh, uses that start to get the scheme working uh, so they're still relying on you know, big city office buildings coming out to the east um, this is the, the first attempt at the public space, uh, there's some huge empty buildings here. This is all kind of a former NatWest um, property ownership around here. There is some uh, Bartley Homes uh, apartments just up here on the right. But the overall master plan is, uh, is quite exciting. Uh, but whether it's actually, uh, actually delivered, um, I, have, I have my doubts. When I practice the route, um, and I have been looking at uh, certainly play spaces um, over the years, and you know, we, we all know the big uh, formal spaces that, uh, that we've just seen, um, I was quite impressed, actually, and quite optimistic. You know, I think there's some very good things that you know, have been happening um, just around us. Um, you know, I think you saw tonight how successful some of them are. Very few of them seem to be failures I think the yeah, last one we cycled through you know what what's that for you know who's meant to use it and stuff but it was yeah, it was a reasonable effort uh, probably wasted and uh, one of the kids spaces you know was again you know wasn't through lack of money it was just lack of forethought yeah so I think there's some basic things that you know people try and forget sometimes but yeah place to kick a ball around here we are a uh, place for younger kids place for older kids and you know lots of places to sit and meet Devonshire Square obviously didn't have enough of them. Um, but, yeah, I think London is, is a great place and it's slowly becoming better. And I hope tonight you've got a feeling of where new bits of London might be. I'd certainly rather be developing a new piece of central London around King's Cross with £2.5 billion of transport infrastructure and the world's best art and design university and some of the most fantastic historic building with a canal running through it than Aldersgate East, but there you go. Uh, yeah, someone's got to develop Aldersgate least and yeah, maybe they need all the help they can. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the London Festival of Architecture Sky Rides. For more information about lead group rides in your area, please visit www.goskyride.com.